In this week's EV news, QuantumScape's solid-state battery. We'll talk about Toyota's EV SUV plans. Aptera is back and better than ever, and much more, so stick around. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 44 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Leading off this week, the city of Peachtree Corners, Georgia, unveiled this week what it calls the first solar roadway within a city in the United States. Located outside of the Atlanta metropolitan area, Peachtree Corners installed solar panels in a section of its Technology Parkway, which also functions as an autonomous vehicle testing lane, according to an article from Green Car Reports. The panels used are called Wadaway Solar Panels, and they're manufactured by a French road building company called Colas Group. The company says that these panels are designed to be applied directly to an already existing road surface and provide comparable levels of grip to conventional paving materials. Kudos to Peachtree Corners for making national news, but that's basically all this will do for the town. Now, they say that the 18-mile stretch of roadway will deliver more than 1,300 kilowatt hours of electricity annually which is not a lot. Consider that a modern solar panel PV on a roof can generate on average between 400 and 600 kilowatts per year. So do the math. This 18 miles of roadway is basically the same as two to three solar panels. And then take into account that the roads are frequently covered with dirt, dust, snow, other debris, and cars and trucks. Yeah, you see where I'm going with that. I think maybe, as cool as the solar roads are, maybe we'd be better covering our parking lots with solar arrays to keep our cars cool and install level two chargers so that we can keep the cars topped off while we're at work or shopping or anything else. Solar roads have a long way, long, long way to go before they will get my vote. Now, one technology that does seem to be advancing more quickly, but previously has certainly received its fair share of criticism as well, is the solid-state lithium battery. In a virtual presentation on Tuesday, QuantumScape revealed that their solid-state lithium batteries will charge faster, last longer, and hold more power than conventional lithium-ion batteries that are used in today's electric vehicles. Now, commercially viable solid-state batteries have been eluding the battery industry for more than 40 years, and presently there are no examples of electric vehicles that use solid-state batteries, but QuantumScape's batteries could change that. 
Jagdeep Singh, CEO and co-founder of QuantumScape, publicly revealed testing results and data for the company's solid-state battery. Singh claimed that the main challenges that have limited solid-state batteries in the past, such as shortened battery life, slow charging rates, and limited thermal operating ranges, have been solved. According to QuantumScape's data, they have developed a solid-state battery that is capable of charging 80% in less than 15 minutes, retains 80% of its capacity after many hundreds of charging and discharging cycles, and has a volumetric energy density of more than 1,000 watt-hours per liter at the cell level. To put that last number in perspective, even the best batteries today don't even achieve half that energy density. QuantumScape's solid-state lithium metal batteries differ from conventional battery cells in a couple of very significant ways. In their cells, there are only two main layers, the cathode with an electrical contact and a solid-state ceramic separator. Where conventional cells have an anode, in QuantumScape's solid-state batteries, there is now just an electrical contact. The cell is actually manufactured without any anode. And then what happens during charging, lithium ions move from the cathode through the ceramic separator and are deposited between the separator and the electrical contact, forming an anode of pure metallic lithium. This lithium metal anode allows the energy of the solid state lithium metal battery to be stored in a smaller volume when you compare it to conventional cells, which then provides that higher volumetric energy density. By eliminating the conventional anode, which is usually made of a carbon base, these solid-state batteries significantly increase gravimetric energy density as well, meaning they're lighter because you don't have that carbon anode, which, of course, is more weight. QuantumScape even garnered praise from Stan Whittingham, who is the co-inventor of the lithium-ion battery. Take that in for a second. Uh, in a panel discussion after the presentation, he said, quote, the hardest part about making a working solid state battery is the need to simultaneously meet the requirements of high energy density, fast charge, long cycle life, and wide temperature range operation. This data shows that QuantumScape's cells meet all of these requirements, something that has never before been reported. If QuantumScape can get this technology into mass production, it holds the potential to transform the industry, end quote. I don't know a whole lot about batteries, but when the co-inventor of the lithium-ion battery has that level of praise for what's going on with QuantumScape, it's something that I can get behind. And of course, Stan Whittingham is not the only name that I recognized from the panel afterwards. The other members of the panel included Dr. Jurgen Leohold, who is the former head of worldwide research for Volkswagen Group, which, by the way, Volkswagen is a backer and has been an investor in QuantumScape for a number of years. J.B. Straubel, which you probably would be familiar with that name if you know anything about Tesla. He is one of the co-founders of Tesla. He's the former CTO of Tesla. He is currently a member of QuantumScape's board of directors. And then also his side business, if you will, he's the CEO of Redwood Materials, which does battery recycling. So he knows a thing or two about batteries too. Of course, Jagdeep Singh, the CEO of QuantumScape, Dr. David Danielson, who is the Managing Director of Breakthrough Energy Ventures, Dr. Venkat Viswanathan, 
who is an associate professor at Carnegie Mellon University, Dr. Tim Holm, the co-founder and CTO of QuantumScape, and Dr. Paul Albertus, the associate director of the Maryland Energy Innovation Institute. These are people that really know their stuff, and they had a lot of really great things to say about the work that QuantumScape has been doing with this solid-state lithium metal battery. The team of scientists at QuantumScape have been working tirelessly for nearly a decade to create what we have now, and honestly, it's likely to become the new generation of batteries used in mass-market electric vehicles. And as Mr. Winning said, if they can get this technology into mass production, it will transform the industry. While there's certainly a long way to get there, Jagdeep Singh said that they hope to have production of these cells up and running in 2024. Um, now, criticism to QuantumScape's battery is, of course, coming directly from the Tesla fan base. Uh, when I posted this article, I had a few comments pointing out Tesla's 4680 cells that they have designed and are working with are much, much more efficient than even what QuantumScape says with their solid state batteries here that they achieve hope to achieve in four years. So four or five years from now, when these start to get into mass production, where is Tesla going to be with their battery technology uh, compared to the way they are today? And I think that's a legitimate criticism, but you also have to factor in that nobody else in the EV industry is using Tesla's battery cells. Only Tesla is. So they might be better. They probably are. But when you take into account that nobody else is using them, you have to compare to what everybody else is currently using now and will likely be using in four years. And in that framework, this is going to be huge for everybody else. This will hopefully propel everybody else forward much faster than would have happened without it. So in that way, this is a really, really good thing. And I think that instead of being critical of QuantumScape and their solid state lithium metal battery, we actually need to support them and their efforts because they are doing what Tesla ultimately wants to help accelerate the transition to sustainable energy and transportation in an electrified manner. Next, Toyota announced Monday that they will be unveiling a new all-electric SUV in the coming months. It is no question that since leading the world with hybrid technology and the Prius 20 years ago, Toyota has been lagging so significantly on the development of full battery electric vehicles. In fact, Toyota has yet to launch an all-electric vehicle outside of China. The Japanese automaker has been focused on hybrids and fuel cells, and it has even gone as far as to publish negative marketing strategies against EV saying things like, quote, we choose not to plug in, end quote. Well, guess what? They might finally be coming around. Toyota's announcement on Monday said, quote, Toyota announced today that it will preview a brand new model for its European battery electric lineup, a mid-sized battery electric SUV based on the forthcoming E-TNGA platform, end quote. And just so you don't have to look it up like I did, E-TNGA stands for Electric Toyota New Global Architecture. For the time being, we don't get any details about this upcoming SUV other than a silhouette that is similarly shaped 
to just about every other midsize SUV on the road. But Toyota says that more details will be coming in the months ahead. Koji Toyoshima, the deputy chief officer of Toyota's zero emission vehicle factory, commented on the announcement, saying, quote, Toyota will shortly take the next step in the rollout of this forthcoming battery electric portfolio by first previewing an all new mid-sized SUV in the coming months. The versatility and flexibility of the E-TNGA technology allows us to design and create vehicles that are not just battery electric, but also exciting to drive and beautiful to look at. So, and I feel like I say this a lot, we will see. Um, Toyota's been lagging. They are certainly big enough and experienced enough to catch up, hopefully quickly, uh, and which they will have to do if they have any hope of surviving in the future automotive world. Now, from Toyota to GM, General Motors is further accelerating their EV plans by planning to hire 3,000 new employees, largely to be focused on software development as the company accelerates its plans for electric vehicles. In an announcement on Monday, GM said that the jobs will be focused on engineering, design, and information technology, quote, to increase diversity and inclusion and contribute to GM's EV and customer experience priorities, end quote. The hiring is expected through the first quarter of 2021. Many of the positions will be remote as GM begins to offer what they call more remote opportunities than ever before. GM's president, Mark Reese, said in a release, quote, as we evolve and grow our software expertise and services, it's important that we continue to recruit and add diverse talent. This will clearly show that we're committed to further developing the software we need to lead in EVs, enhance the customer experience, and become a software expertise-driven workforce, end quote. Gosh, it seems like maybe they're catching on to the fact that the future of automobiles will be software. These are no longer cars. They are computers that transport us. So, And software is a huge, huge role in that, especially if you take into account any uh, future autonomous driving features that you would have in the cars. Tesla has proven that, and I think in many ways is influencing that in many of these other world-leading brands. And last but not least, Aptera is back. You may recall the name, but if the details are fuzzy, that's not surprising. We haven't heard from them for nearly a decade. And that's because in 2011, Aptera ran out of money and basically closed its doors. But now they're back with a brand new solar electric vehicle that they claim may never need to be plugged in. And it predicts its top model with a battery pack size of 100 kilowatt hours can get up to a thousand miles of range. Aptera co-founder Chris Anthony said in a press release, quote, with Aptera's never charge technology, you are driven by the power of the sun. Our built-in solar array keeps your battery pack topped off and anywhere you want to go, you just go. Never charge is built into every Aptera and is designed to harvest enough sunlight to travel over 11,000 miles per year in most regions, end quote. Considering that the average commute in the U.S. is 39 miles a day and the solar panels are designed to provide up to 45 miles a day of charge in an ideal situation, it is entirely possible that some people won't need to plug this car in. However, even if you did travel 50 miles a day, 
if this car can go a thousand miles between charges, then you could go 20 days without plugging it in. And really the key to its range and efficiency is mostly due to its weird shape, which is incredibly aerodynamic. The vehicle is curvy and lightweight. And according to the images, which if you're not watching the YouTube video, you'll go have to go and see or Google it because it's probably the strangest looking vehicle that would be on the road, even taking into account the Cybertruck. Um, and the it's got a drag coefficient of 0.13. Now, if you don't know anything about drag coefficients, that will mean nothing to you. But trust me, it is incredibly amazing. You can compare that to a Tesla Model 3, which has a drag coefficient of 0.23, which is still pretty good, by the way. The best production cars are down closer to the low end of 0.20. I think the Mercedes has the record. It's like 0.21, something like that. Um, or my car, the Chevy Spark EV, which is a 0 0.30, which is horrible. That's basically the uh, aerodynamics of a brick. So the Aptera, which is 0 0.13, is just absolutely amazing from an aerodynamic standpoint. But obviously, in order to get that, you have to go extreme when it comes to the design, and therefore you get the very weird look. Uh, looks like an alien or a bug or a spaceship. The front-wheel drive version of the Aptera, they say, can go from si 0 to 60 in 5.5 seconds, which is decent. Uh, but it's three-wheel drive, where the rear wheel is uh, has a motor on it as well, can get to 60 in 3.5 seconds. That is as fast as the Tesla Model Y performance model, which I can tell you feels amazing. Pre-orders for Aptera's Paradigm and Paradigm Plus models are now open for a refundable deposit of $100. Gee, that sounds familiar. Uh, the price range, they say, is going to be between $25,900 and $46,000 or more for customized vehicles. And the company expects to deliver them in 2021 or next year. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if you could fit one of these in the back of a Cybertruck. That would be a really cool combination. Uh, and seeing as I've got an order in for a Cybertruck, if it could fit, that would be really neat. Like, take the truck out somewhere and then drive the Aptera from there to <laughs> wherever. Oh, man. Either way, it's a vehicle that is definitely going to be uh, um, reaching a niche market. I think there will be a lot of people like the Cybertruck that just will not be able to get over its looks and therefore won't buy it. For the rest of us, I think driving a weird, quirky little car would be ideal. So I don't know. I hadn't thought about it, actually, but I think I might have to give some more thought to potentially getting one of these for myself. All right, so I did have an EV question come in this week that I do want to answer. This is coming from Mary E. here in Richmond. So thank you, Mary, for uh, reaching out and asking. And Mary asks, what is the best way to charge an electric vehicle? And I've talked a lot about EV charging on this podcast and in some other videos and in articles on the webpage and in the magazine. So without directing you directly to all of those and just answering this for you, basically the best way to charge an electric vehicle is as slow as possible 
provided that you recoup the range that you need for each day. So basically, if you can afford time-wise to plug into a regular wall outlet, 120 volt AC, just a regular wall plug like you'd plug in your phone or your hair dryer, then do it. That's what I do with my car. I have never had at home any other kind of charger. Haven't needed it, haven't cared to have it. If you drive a lot and you need more range than, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles a day, then you might want to look at getting a level two or a 240 volt charger installed at your house. Um, and of course, if you need help with finding an electrician, I'm more than willing to make any suggestions for the local area here. Um, and anybody else that's listening, if you need an electrician in your area, let me know. I am more than willing to recommend a few, no matter where you are. I have yet to have somebody ask me to recommend an electrician, and I haven't been able to do that. So uh, certainly something to, to point out as well. Uh, but then ultimately, if you can't charge at home, then look for a level two charger out and about because most of the time those are free and um, sitting on there for a couple hours, you'll be able to recoup your daily mileage. But then worst case scenario, you can charge at a DC fast charger and, and as little as 20, 30, 40 minutes, depending on what vehicle you have you can get plenty of range. Uh, that is the more expensive option, certainly. That's probably about the same cost as gas, which, uh, of course, is very cheap. But, you know, when you have free options for charging, why would you go spend, you know, 30 cents a minute or whatever it might be um, If for everybody else that's listening for wherever you are? So, Hopefully, Mary, that answers your question. If you have any other questions or any of you, if you guys have questions, feel free to email them to me, hello at ev-resource.com. Use me as a resource. I mean, that's why this company is named EV Resource, because we want to be here as that valuable source of information for, for you, you know? So send me your questions. I want to answer more and more of them at the end of the podcast after the news is done. So that is your show for this week. I do want to thank everybody who supports the show through listening or watching the YouTube video. Uh, share it with a buddy. You know, if you've got a friend or family member that's interested in electric vehicles or just starting to be curious about electric vehicles. That's really the target market that I'm trying to go after is the people that are curious but haven't pulled the trigger quite yet. I want to convert them. <laughs> I will convert all of them eventually. If I can talk to them, I will convert them. I lost my train of thought. Oh, everybody on Patreon, obviously, the support there. Uh, without the financial support, um, both from our partner Titan Auto & Tire, all of the Patreon supporters, Honestly, this would not happen. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, otherwise, this would be a very expensive hobby. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, thank you very much for the financial support through Patreon. Uh, it's always appreciated, uh, especially a shout out to Tom Wiggins, who is at the executive producer tier on Patreon. Thank you very much. 
And if you have any feedback, you can email that over to me at hello at ev-resource.com as well. Don't forget to subscribe and like the YouTube video. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you do want to go back and listen to any of the old podcasts, the easiest way to find them is on the webpage, uh, which is ev-resource.com slash podcast. And you can find it there or on your favorite podcast platform. It should all be listed under there as well. So thank you all so much for being with me this week, and I'll see you next time.